0: Saints of God, give your attention now to the reading of the word of God for his word is faithful and true. Beginning in verse uh, nine. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall and 12 gates, and at the 12 gates, 12 angels, and the names And names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, and its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. And its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which also, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper. And the city was pure gold, like clear glass the foundation stones of the city were adorned with every kind of precious stone the first foundation stone was jasper second sapphire third chalcedony the third the fourth emerald the fifth uh, sardonyx the sixth sardis the seventh chrysolite the eighth beryl the ninth topaz the tenth uh, Chrys- chrysoprase the eleventh jaspen uh, jaspen the twelfth amethyst And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb." The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in a daytime for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it and nothing unclean. And no one who practices practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now to the preaching of his word, let us pray. <clears throat> Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us now. Help us to understand and to see uh, the main point of this entire chapter, Lord. Give us grace, Lord. Uh, give us grace to know, to love, and to obey. I decrease that you may increase, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Please be seated. Saints of God, I greet you once again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we continue now to um, come near the end of our study through the Apocalypse of John, we come now to a larger portion of this 21st chapter And as we have just read, there are various details in this 21st chapter that at first glance might cause the reader or hearer to be overwhelmed with confusion. We must remember that the book of Revelation, the apocalypse of John, it has not been given to us for our confusion, but for our clarity. It is not to... Conceal, the book of Revelation is meant to reveal. So while there are many details in this chapter that may at first glance seem mysterious, know this, we are not left with locked doors with no keys. Rather, we have the whole of Scripture to give us clarity. And John has already given us the point of this chapter, and listen to this, and also the point of everything that we have just read. It's found in verses 1 through 5. Let's go back to that. You you will need your Bibles out today. Verses 1 through 5. Here's the point. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made as a bride And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. This is the point of the chapter. The point that God has made his home among his people. They, the people of God, have overcome and their reward is God. They have been made holy as he is holy and they shall find delight in him for all eternity. There will be no longer any threat of evil, for evil has been vanquished. Sorrow also, along with evil, has been vanquished. The people of God shall only know God and perfect happiness that is found in knowing Him perfectly. Behold, the Lord says, I am making all things new. These words are faithful and true, the Lord says. John, then through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes this macro view, it is this, the heavenly city, the church coming down out of heaven. That's the the grand view. And then brings it down to the the micro view. That is now the details of gates and walls and streets. So if you get it, the main point is here is the perfected bride. And then the next point is, and here are all of her details that have been perfected. When we consider the details, let us not lose the forest through the trees. This is about God and his people. All of the details in chapter 21, this is about God and his people. Don't lose that. This is about the people of God, seeing God and sharing in his glory. Verse Chapter 17, you'll need to turn there too. Chapter 17, one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came to the Apostle John by way of of a vision and said to him, verse 1 of chapter 17, come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, verse 3, and he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Now contrast that with chapter 21. The same angel comes to the apostle and says similar words which are meant to cause us to contrast these two women. Verse 9, chapter 21, verse 9, chapter 21. Come here, there's the words. I will show you not the harlot, I will show you the bride. The wife of the lamb. John now sees the genuine woman, the genuine bride. The true woman of virtue of whom the harlot of Babylon was a cheap imitation. Rather than being carried away into the wilderness, to behold the woman, John the Apostle was carried away to a great and high mountain. The wilderness would be that which is low, um, that which is isolated. Now John is carried away to a great and high mountain. When he is carried away, John beholds The holy city coming down, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Uh, You will remember that the holy city, the new Jerusalem from above, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The city is the church. A city is a vast population of people. And here John sees an innumerable number of people coming down out of heaven having the glory of God upon them. Because she, the church, has seen God. Like Moses, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, reflecting the brilliance of light from the light of God's presence, the church comes down adorned with dazzling light. She now has Shekinah glory all upon her. What does John see about the church? If we're going to get to the details now. Number one, three points. Number one, he sees her dazzling beauty. We could summarize that as glory. Number one, he sees her dazzling beauty. That is her glory. You're going to need the whole of chapter 21 here, okay? The holy city. The church is with God. And because she's with God and sees God... She reflects the glory of God. John can only compare her brilliance, that which he is seeing, that that dazzling light, to that of a, listen to this, to that of a unique stone. It's a unique stone because it doesn't even exist in our reality. Verse 11, he sees the church as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It's an interesting description, because I had to Google it. There's no such thing as crystal clear jasper. John seems to be at a loss. He doesn't know how to describe the dazzling beauty of the church, so he brings two stones together. He uses first the stone of jasper. Even a semi-precious jasper, as it appears in nature, its color is mustard or gold. It's certainly not crystal clear, like a crystal. John is combining two stones, and he's communicating to the church the description that they are like a stone that does not even exist. What he's doing is he's straining the limits of our experience in order to communicate that what we will be is beyond anything that we know. He said in his pastoral letters, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, Now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as to what we will be. You're children of God now, but what we will be, we have no idea of even what that is. We know this, that when he appears, here's what we know. We will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. John is seeing in Revelation the fulfillment of what he said in 1 John 3, 2. We have no idea of what we will be. But John is getting just a a glimpse, a taste of what we shall be. We cannot yet fathom what we will be. But by the revelation of Christ, Christ is giving John a taste, and, and therefore giving the church a taste of what we will be. Listen to this. By way of stones. John uses Jasper, takes this stone and combines it with a crystal. Now, we all know what crystals are, don't we? Crystal is a type of stone that when light passes through it, it creates a, ro- a wide range of bright colors and also bright light. Crystals are refractive from light. John is saying that because of the glory of the light of God, the church who is with God sees God, will reflect the glory or light of God through us for all time. We will refract or reflect the glory or light of God. We will be adorned with beautiful glory from God. The light of God passes through us, as it were, and we reflect for all time His perfect, dazzling, glorious light as if it was our own. We look at a crystal and light passes through it, and we marvel at the crystal, but it's because of the light passing through the crystal that it shines the way that it does. John gives us something of a sense of this in verse 23. Look at 23. And this look at verse 23, not me, the verse 23. And the city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it. Listen to this. For the glory of God has illumined it. The city shines because God is shining. Listen to this. And its lamp is the Lamb. When we think of the, of the church in the new creation, there is no sun, there's no need for it. There is no moon, there is no need for it. No stars, there is no need for it. God himself and his glory shall be the light and brightness or beauty of heaven. And because we are with God and in God, we too will reflect His beauty. John is saying, church, you're, you, you don't have an, any idea of how beautiful you shall be. You are and shall be in the new creation. John's not just saying what we've already said concerning the things in creation, that there will be no sun, no moon, or stars. John is saying that because of the indescribable, unimaginable beauty of God, There will be no need for any created thing to point man to God and his beauty. God will reflect his own beauty to us and we will reflect it back to him. No light will outshine the beauty of God's glory. John sees the beauty of the consummated, glorious city of God, who is the church, coming down from heaven. And her transparent That clear crystal, transparent, see-through, is reiterated over and over again in the different features of the city. Now, this is where we're going to get into some things that hopefully will break some of our misunderstandings, right? John sees the glorious beauty of the church as a whole, and then begins to see the glorious beauty of the church in detail. First, she is, as a whole, clear Crystal Jasper, she is dazzling in beauty. She's reflecting the glory of God. In verse 18, her walls. Now, who, who is the church? Or what what is the city meant to be? The church. Therefore, the walls are not real walls. They're the church. Verse 18. Her walls are, are also Jasper. And the city was pure gold. Listen to this. Like clear glass. Like clear glass. For walls are Jasper, and so is the city. It's like gold, he says. Who's the city? The church. And it's like pure glass. When you think of gold, do you think of of clear glass? Probably what comes to our mind when we think of gold is either yellow or white, which is like a silverish color. Definitely not transparent gold. John is seeing, here's the meaning of transparency. John is seeing that the church has been purified, refined. She is so pure, listen to this, or holy, that she is transparent. Meaning what? Meaning to say that she has no sin. All remaining sin has been removed. She is now perfectly holy. So this idea of gold, like transparent, Jasper, like transparent, Crystal, like transparent, is meant. John is meaning to say the church is made perfectly holy without spot or wrinkle. She is without sin, no impurities, no, in, no imperfections. She is now sinless and forever will be sinless. No stains of sinful pollution will be upon her. John sees stones within the walls of the city. And there are every kind of precious stone. John mentions 12 kinds of stones, actually. We'll get to 8 of those. 8 of those are, are meant to be on the breastplate of the high priest. John mentions those now. We'll get to what that means in a moment. The 12 stones in the walls of the holy city. 12 and multiples of 12 will be used throughout this chapter in order to describe, listen to this, completeness or perfection. Getting back to transparent, 12, perfect, perfect. Uh, Holy, 12, complete, without sin. She is beautifully complete. She is perfectly holy, the church. In verse 12, John sees this symbolic city has 12 gates. And these gates are also adorned with beauty. These gates are not chain link gates like the ones from our neighborhoods. These gates are not topped with barbed wire. Like the one at our church here. Verse 21. And the twelve gates, listen to this, were twelve pearls. Listen to this. Each one of the gates, a single pearl. There are three gates on each of the four sides of this this holy city. Three, three, three. And each of these three gates are not the typical typical gates that we think. When we think of gates, we might think of Chainlink gates. Iron gates. That's often depicted whenever we see, um, pictures of heaven. We see these iron barred gates. John sees that the gates are actually not iron gates, but each one is a single pearl. One pearl is a gate. Now, many of us have seen pearls, whether real or not, that promoted as real. John sees twelve gates, and each of those gates are a single pearl. They are, if you will, a necklace of pearl around the holy city. Remember what was around the neck of the harlot. She had gold and jewels, but John sees it around the church. There is this beautifully adorned necklace of pearl all around her. What is John saying? She is beautiful. She is lovely. She wears a necklace of pearls. Verse 21, here's one that's going to help, help for all of us. Uh, the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. We have been taught that heaven is a place that is so beautiful that we will live in marvelous mansions and walk on streets of gold. I hope that this doesn't disappoint, disappoint many of us, including my wife who's listening. We have misunderstood by, I think, well-meaning preachers that heaven is a place That is beautiful. Not a people who are beautiful. You and I will not be walking on streets of gold in heaven. The church is in fact the streets of gold. John is communicating that our steps will be holy steps. What does the streets of gold mean? It means that. Not that we're going to be prancing around on on actual streets of gold. It means that we are going to be walking in holiness. We will be made pure and our every act before God and our fellow saints will be steps of holiness and righteousness. Verse 24. The nations will walk by its light. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory in it in daytime... For there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed and they will bring the honor, glory and honor of the nations into it. The nations will walk in the light of God. The point is we will walk in righteousness. Uh, Someone might say, well, could there be streets of gold? Maybe there could be. If you need streets of gold, then fine. Maybe there will be. But I think that you're missing the grander point. the, the The greater point. There is nothing created that will be greater than God and his people. We marvel at the streets and forget about the people that have been made holy and righteous before God. We marvel at mansions and we forget that we are now the house of God. We are the mansions. We are being made ready. He's, the rooms are you. The, the mansion is you. So if you think my room's going to be big, stop that, please. The point is that God is saying you will be made perfect and Righteous. John sees that the streets of gold are like transparent glass. We will be walking in holiness in new creation, saints. John sees that, that, that a church that radiates holiness and glory, that emanates from the throne of God. John sees a beautiful, holy, glorious bride that dwells with her bridegroom in perfect righteousness. John sees that within the church, every imperfection is removed. She will not only be made perfect outwardly by the resurrection, she will be made perfect inwardly in her soul. We will be with God in his light. In light, we shall see light and reflect the glory of his light for all time. From her walls, to her gates, to her streets... John sees a perfected, glorified, dazzling, beautiful church. What do you gain from the walls? That they are beautiful. What do you gain from the gates? That they are beautiful. What do you gain from the streets? That they are beautiful and they are all transparent. They are all perfect. They are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, her walls. Let's get to some of the other things. Secondly, she is complete and impenetrable. She is complete and impenetrable. Verse 12. Now we'll get to the walls. It... That's the great city. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates and at the 12 gates, 12 angels. Verse 15, the one who spoke to me uh, with, with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. City is laid out as a square. And its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod. 1,500 miles. Its length and its width and its height are all equal. I think your Bible might say 12,000 stadia. If it does, good for the interpreters. John's attention is drawn to the great high wall of the city along with its 12 angelic guarded gates. Now John's imagery, just so that we can have a little bit of a background, it's drawn from chapters 40 through 42 of the prophet, uh, prophet Ezekiel, where Israel was returning from exile and rebuilding the destroyed temple. Ezekiel's temple that God gives him the, the measurements—it's vast. But the temple that John sees it dwarfs what the prophet saw in the Old Testament. John is meaning to communicate. The magnitude, the completeness, and the impenetrability of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do this. In terms of magnitude. In verse sixteen, John sees that the city is laid out like a square, okay? Its length is as great as its width, and it is measured with a rod. I, I like this version better twelve thousand stadia, its length and its width are, are and height are equal. Let's take the, um, the the translated measurement of it. 12,000 stadia is 15, 13 to 1,500 miles. John is saying, if we were to take it literally, which we're not, that the length of this city would reach from here to about Iowa. That's about the length, the length of this city. The height of the city would reach from where we are to the satellites in space. 1500 miles if we, and listen to this and there's walls around these if just just so that you're, you keep in mind, right? The width of this city is about from Texas to Canada. That's a massive city if we were to take it literally. As you know, John is not talking though about a literal city, but he's using the imagery of this city as being something that all who read it would have understood. John is seeing a squared city. And, and listen, if, you're, if your Bible says 12,000 stadia, that's what automatically make us go, wait a minute, but, so 12,000 on one side, on another, on another, and then on another, 12,000 time, 12, times four is 144,000. Where have I heard 144,000 before Revelation chapter 7? I heard the number of those who were sealed... 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. John would go then, uh, those who hear this would, would go saying, oh, John, I, I, I hear the number and then I see a number which no one can count. John says that the city that's coming down from heaven is immense. It is complete. The people of God gathered into the new creation are a perfect number. 144,000, 12, 12, 12, it's the perfect number. It's God's perfect number. But it's a number that none of us could ever count. Are there going to be literally 144,000? We said no, right? God's communicating the perfection of His number, the perfection of His people. Because John will later say, there's a number that no one could count. When the people of God gather as one in the new creation, we will be complete the church of Christ. There will not be one of us missing among those for whom Christ has died. This perfect, complete number is also emphasized by the walls. Chapter 21, verse 17. Look at your Bible. The walls, in terms of their thickness, are 144 cubits. Is that what your Bible says? One hundred forty. Yours might say 72 yards. Someone, might, someone else's might say 216 feet. The translation is meant to be 144 cubits thick by human measurements. He says these are also angelic measurements. The walls of the city are, are also meant to communicate the completeness of the church. Um, 72 yards. I was watching football last night. 100 yards. We, we have an idea of what a, field, a football field that is 100 yards looks like. Imagine 72 of those yards being the thickness of a wall. In the Old Testament, the thicker the wall, the less likely you were to be invaded. A wall that is 72 yards thick, 215, 216 feet thick, um, 144 cubits thick, no one's breaking into that city. It's around the entire city. John's point is this, when we come to the new creation, we want, not that we're going to see giant walls around the city, rather, that no one, no thing, no devil, no demon will ever be able to overcome the church any longer. We are we are um, we are afflicted now. We are persecuted now, we are opposed now, but in the new creation we will never, never be opposed. No one will ever come near the people of God. Well, I thought evil was conquered, evil is conquered, every threat removed. John is communicated to the churches. That there will be a come a day when there will no longer be any enemy. No one will be able to attack the people of God. Not only are the, are the walls thick, they're also guarded. All twelve gates are guarded by an angel per gate. There is an angel standing. Verse 12. It had great and high walls with twelve gates and at the gates twelve angels. John sees on all four sides of the city... There is an angel to stand against evil. There is an angel who stands with God and with God's people. They are ensuring that no unclean thing enters into the city. There's an allusion here that we'll get to next, next week with chapter 22. All evil will be cast into the lake of fire. John's point is simply this. And let me ask you, don't get caught up with, is there really going to be a wall that thick or walls that high? The answer is no. John is communicating through symbolism the security of the church the completeness of the church the fact that the church is impenetrable for all time you won't fall to sin anymore you won't be tempted by sin anymore there won't be simple thoughts going through your head any longer there won't be simple thoughts in your hearts any longer you won't pursue that which is wicked you will be made pure and holy and no sin will be able to penetrate you your mind or your heart uh, someone might say, "What if I fall? What, what if, in the new creation in heaven, I decide that I, I sin and and I and, and and I make an error? Impossible. Your walls will be too thick. No enemy will come in. Well, well what if he climbs? Is he going to climb, Johnson? Is he going to climb all the way to to, the, to space to get over that mountain? Impossible. No wicked devil will come near you ever again." Overcome. John is saying, overcome. There will come a day when this all ends. Overcome. There will come a day when all of this stops. Overcome. It's your reward. We will not live out our eternity with fear that someday we might be overcome with evil. The security of the church will be, the security of the church will be such that in verse 25, John says, and the gates are never closed. They're made of pearl. There are angels standing near. But they're never closed. Why? All evil will be vanquished. There there will be no threat of evil to sliver its way through. Alluding to the Garden of Eden. No no evil will be able to come through. The angels who stand with God and His people will, will, will never have a reason to say, Close the gates! Enemies are approaching! We close our gates now we leave our homes and we secure them just in case there's an intruder. When we leave the church, we lock the doors and we set the alarms just in case there is an intruder. Because we're not immune to intruders today. But in the new creation, we will be immune to, to intruders. We will not just be complete, beautiful, secure, but also impenetrable. You will not fall in heaven when you are with God, And in the new creation, you will not fall. It's impossible. You will not be overcome. But you have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And your reward is this, that you will never be overcome. Verse 27. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. John is not describing a place... John is describing a people. When we think about the new creation, the overwhelming description is not of streets, or gates, or food. It's about God and His people. We must ask the Lord to give us grace to see that the glory of heaven and the glory of the new creation is God, and that God shares His glory with His people. That in light we shall see light. The overwhelming description is not first of friends or brothers or sisters that we are reunited with. But it is of the friend who sticks closer than any brother or sister. And our eternal fellowship and union with him. Dear ones, John's getting to a point. First, the glory of God shines... Upon the face of the people of God, causing them to shine in his splendor. Secondly, the people of God are complete and impenetrable, and they are secure in the presence of God. And thirdly, that we're also unshakable because of our foundation. Verse 12. It had a great and high wall and 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and the names were written on them, which are names of 12 tribes of the sons of Israel, Verse 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Inscribed on the gates are the names of the 12 tribes. On the gates are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. And on the foundation walls, that is underneath, that which is upholding them, are the names of the 12 apostles. Unlike in chapter 7, the names of the 12 tribes are not listed here. They've already been listed, but they are also recognized as being those who carried the promises of God through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. They are respected. They are honored. They are those who held fast to the faith and the one who would come and save his people and bring them into the land of promise. City belongs to the true Israel of God. Those who are redeemed by the lion and the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just from the nation of Israel, but also from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. For we have together become one royal and holy nation. We are built upon the teachings also of Christ and his apostles. They are the foundation of the church of Christ. We preach Christ because they preached Christ. Their names are written upon the stones of the foundation under in order to emphasize that it is by their faithful testimony that Christ has built his church. Their teachings are the foundation of the church, Christ himself being the cornerstone that holds us all together. The apostles received the mystery of God and delivered that revelation to the church by which we live by faith and obedience and that which we teach today. John sees the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, where Christ promised that his church would be built upon the confession of Peter and his apostles, and that they would be an unshakable church, that even the gates of hell itself would not be able to bring down the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. John sees the church militant is the church victorious. The church has overcome by the blood of a lamb, And because of their testimony. She will be able to say in the end. We were afflicted. But because of the blood of a lamb. And standing upon the testimony of the apostles. We were not crushed. We were perplexed at times. But because of the blood of the lamb. And standing upon the testimony of the apostles. We were not driven to despair. We were persecuted. But because of Christ. And the word given to the apostles. We held fast. We were not forsaken, struck down, but because of Christ and his word, we were not destroyed. In heaven and in the new creation, when the church is gathered as one in victory, we will rejoice for we trusted in the blood of the lamb and stood upon the word of the apostles. And now we are unshakable because we built our house upon the rock. We will not be shaken. John's getting to a main point though. The glory of God shines upon the face of his people. Causing them to shine from his splendor. The people of God are complete and impenetrable because they are secure in the presence of Christ, of God. And the church is unshakable. Listen to this. Because of where they are. Yes, who they are but because of where they are. The gates are guarded by angels. The stones evoke priestly garments. The the cube-like shape of the city are all allusions to the temple of God. Remember, verse 3, Behold, the tabernacle or temple of God is among men. He will dwell among them, and they will be His people, and He Himself will be their God. John began this chapter... By telling the church what this chapter is all about. God dwelling with his people. And anywhere that God dwells is called his temple. This description of a squared city is meant to evoke from the hearers something that should should cause them to say, Oh yes, this, this, this squared thing that you're describing, I know exactly what that is. By this squared city, John is talking about the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. That which was in the Garden of Eden. That which was in the Temple of God and Tabernacle of God in the Old Testament. John is using this square as a means to communicate not the smaller version of the Holy of Holies, but this so grand of size of the Holy of Holies that it encompasses the entire world. God's people, God is showing to them that he has made them holy priests and that he is allowing them to enter into his presence, the holy of holies, and to remain there for all time. What will the new creation be? Holy of holies. What will you be? priest who serve All day, because there will be no night in the presence of God. The eight stones, the twelve stones and eight of them that that I mentioned, eight of those are present on the um, priestly breastplate of the priest. John says that the city is adorned with them. What about the other four? John is saying they are perfect priests. There are twelve stones because you are... Not earthly priests, you are now heavenly priests, and you have been made perfected in the presence of God. The stones are mentioned because you, men and women, are now the priest of God. Look at verse twenty-two as we close. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. John sees. That God has made His home among His people. That His presence will be fully revealed. If you can imagine that. And shared with His people for all time. God will fully reveal His presence for us. In the new creation, we will be in the Holy of Holies. It will be our eternal dwelling place. When you think of heaven and the new creation and the earth to come, heaven and earth being one, When you think of the 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 loving intimacy between God, our triune God, and his people producing that which we were created for. To enjoy God and to glorify him forever. That's the point of this chapter. We can see all of the details and miss the fact that this is about God and you, his people. In chapter 22, John will draw even further. He's taken the tabernacle. He's taken the temple. But in chapter 22, John is specifically going to draw from the Garden of Eden, the river of life, the tree of life, and show that what we will know in the new creation will will overshadow what Adam and Eve knew in the Garden of Eden. And we will enjoy that for all time. For the first years, John encourages them to do what I encouraged you to do last week, overcome it overcome. For all that we have just described is given as a reward to those who overcome. Let us pray.